When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, anyone still have any questions about what the Pirates were doing with the first round of the Major League Baseball draft? No, I'm guessing not. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. Very good Tuesday morning for people who follow this club. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. My goodness. Let me try to put this into the simplest possible terms. The Pirates had a player that, according to Ben Charrington, they had atop their draft board, meaning from the baseball perspective, number one on their draft board, the player they wanted the most. That would be Louisville catcher Henry Davis if you believe Charrington that he was, in fact, atop the board. My default mode on Charrington, my default mode on humanity, is to trust until proven otherwise. I trust this man. I trust that his entire staff wouldn't be conspiring on a lie about something this significant. So there's, there's Henry Davis atop the board. They deal with Henry Davis. They engage in a little bit of, I mean, I guess you could call it gamesmanship. That sounds insulting to the kid and his family and whatever else here. But they make it really clear that they don't want to be paying full slot. And as a result, that chases off Jack Leiter, who insisted on it. And we're going to get to Leiter at the end. Remind me if I forget. So that the Pirates would have a little bit of money left over that they could spread around to other picks. Well, I mean, this, of course, lights off the people who don't know anything at all about baseball drafts. Ah, nutting being cheap and everything else here. But you had to wait until day two to see what exactly would come of this. So day two being yesterday, that would be rounds two through ten. The Pirates end up getting... Like, I feel like this needs a drum roll. Pitcher Anthony Solometto, outfielder Lonnie White, and another pitcher, Bubba Chandler. If you take those three players and Davis, put them together, you have four prospects that finished in Baseball America's final top 32 of the entire board. And there aren't other outlets that vary greatly. Like, they're all up there somewhere. But for BA, which is the industry gold standard and has been for a really long time, that's four out of 32. It's basically four first-rounders. Now, they still have to sign them. Solometto, 
has made it very clear that he will sign. Uh, Chandler, who is a dual sports star who was in line to become, if you can believe this, quarterback at Clemson, of all places, uh, also went public that he'll sign. And the only missing one out of the group is 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 White. Uh, he is committed to Penn State, and we'll see how that goes, meaning Penn State football. He's also a two-sport guy. But if all you got out of it were three first-rounders, you had yourself a monstrous draft. But let's presume that, as is the case in almost all selections that get made in rounds two through ten, and I mean almost all, like it's a 99% sign rate, that White does come aboard, I mean, you've done some ridiculous thing here. And all of the baseball world was buzzing about exactly this ridiculous thing yesterday. You could just do a cursory Google search on Pirates and Draft, and you'll come up with stories from all kinds of national outlets, which usually don't even acknowledge that the Pirates exist, by the way, glowing about this. How did they do it? Well, I already mentioned the Davis thing. But what they had to do with these other players was approach them and say, hey, listen, what would it take? What would it take? And they are all like, well, we're going to go to college unless we get such and such amount for a bonus, like a top 10 or a top 15 bonus. They want teams to kind of bend out of their way a little bit to do something. And the Pirates wanted to put themselves in the best possible spot to bend. And none of this happened yesterday. I really feel like that should be clear. None of this happened the day before. This has been going on for weeks and months. No, the Pirates could not have been certain that Davis in particular and his family and his representatives would go along with it. But once they did, once they did know that, then they could proceed with everyone else and work out other deals. None of these players these other guys, these other three guys, were remotely surprised by anything that happened. My goodness, uh, Chandler, the quarterback, when, when his name was called, he's sitting there in his, uh, in his living room, presumably, in some big lounge chair with a pirate's hat on, jumping up and down. Like, imagine if you're a Clemson football fan, right? You're watching this going, uh, what just happened here? But that's... That's what they did. That's what they got away with. And they didn't do anything wrong. The system itself is set up so that the team picking at the number one spot is allotted the greatest total draft pool. The Pirates are permitted to spend $14.4 million. No one else is allowed to spend that much. It drops off gradually from there. So the Pirates and Charrington specifically made a decision that they were going to say, listen, I mean, do we really have to spend the full $8 million and whatever to get somebody here? Especially when all these guys up there at the top of the class are so even? If they're to be believed, they still got their main guy. And they got all 
all these other guys that were dropping through the round because other teams knew what their demands were. Oh, lighter. Yes, thank you. Lighter goes to the Texas Rangers at number two overall. And the Rangers had a guy that they really kind of liked with their next pick. Guess what? Couldn't take him. Player made it very, very clear he's not going to sign with Texas. You know why? Because Leiter is insisting on getting the full bonus amount. So Leiter's actually going to get more money than Davis will. And I'm sure there are, you know, some of those fans down in the Arlington area who are like, uh, well, this is a great sign of commitment by the Texas Rangers, our favorite team, because they're willing to spend more money on the main guy. But the Pirates are the ones who come out of the draft with four first-rounders to the Rangers' one. My goodness. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to spend a little more time getting into the concept of the Pirates possibly becoming gasp too rich when it comes to collecting prospects. When we come back today, just one question. Just one question, and it's always brought to you on this program by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's the home to Steak on a Stone. It's home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pittsburgh Base Club sports bar. Front to back, side to side, wall to wall, up and down. Nothing but Pirates memorabilia every which way you look. The TVs are turned to baseball so you can watch the ball game, whether the Pirates are at home or on the road. Come check out North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's question is just beautiful. It comes from Christina, and she asks, What are your thoughts on John Nagowski? Is he great or is he great? (laughs) You know what, Christina? I'll tell you what he is. He's a great story, and I report on him with great satisfaction. If you're a subscriber to our site, dkpittsburghsports.com. I hope you would have had a chance to read a column that I wrote from out in Denver uh, a week ago when the Pirates were getting really embarrassed, I thought, by the Rockies at Coors Field. Not so much of the nature of the scores, but the fact that they couldn't score any runs. Back-to-back shutouts in that place is just unbelievable. I still can't believe I saw it. And I wrote... A couple of pieces really critical of the constitution of the of the big league roster, especially as it relates to offense, and said that Charrington and these guys look for all the wonderful work that they're doing at the foundation and beneath the cover, the cover still matters. The big league team still matters. And Being embarrassed at the big league level doesn't help anything, including the future, because you make the whole brand look bad. 
to everyone, including internally. So I advocated that he'd go out and find some beer leaguers. And I was obviously mostly joking, okay? But you'll notice the mostly that I sneaked in there. Because the minor leagues are filled with 4A types who can hit. They might not be able to play a position for you. They're not going to give you Wilmer Defoe-like versatility. But they can hit. And to be blunt here, they kind of look like Nagowski. You know, they look like somebody you'd pick up from North Pittsburgh, you know, that just helped you carry all the coolers out from the SUV. Uh, Nagowski is that guy. And as soon as he showed up, as soon as I saw this guy, socks pulled all the way up with that, that he looks like he's, he's walking out of a Kevin Costner movie, okay? And you go, oh, dude looks like he can hit. Don't tell me you didn't think the same thing. Don't tell me you didn't think the same thing the first time you saw him. Dude looks like he can really rake. Yeah. Now, that said, he's got like 5 million hits in about a week. Uh, the last research that I saw going way back to the beginnings of the franchise 135 years ago was that he's got the second most hits in his first week and change with Pittsburgh like ever. I forgot the name of the, the guy who had more. It was somebody in 1913, some name I'd never heard before. And it's like, this is, this is great. This is great. It feels like he's kind of, he's picked everybody up a little bit, you know? And when you see a guy that comes along like that, and Nagowski hasn't been hitting bombs or whatever. He's mostly hitting singles. He's stroking the ball somewhere. Um, he's not showing, you know, 500-foot light tower power. But the beauty of having a guy like that around, including the value to the younger players, Christina, more than anything else, is that he, he goes up there and he makes it look kind of easy for them. And it reminds them, hey, this doesn't have to be so hard. I don't have to be processing 700 different equations in my head or wondering what the next pitch is that the guy is going to throw or trying to guess sequences and everything else here. Just go up there and do like Nagowski and just swing and hit the ball. Or for that matter, do like Rodolfo Castro and swing and hit the ball very hard and very far. But you need that. You really do if you're the Pirates. You cannot just let the major league product kind of vanish in your eyes just because you're busy with all kinds of other stuff the way Charrington understandably has been of late. And it's to his credit and to his staff's credit, especially to his advanced scouts, for having given him, uh, and he's given some real hard specifics on this, what they told him about Nagowski. Uh, hasn't given a name yet, but those guys have done a tremendous job. And whoever got Nagowski, my goodness, there's got to be a, at least like a bottle of, uh, well, I guess, beer, right? <laughs> I appreciate the question, Christina. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we'll do another one tomorrow, and it'll also be about the draft and its impact on the system. Mm -hmm.